Welcome back to another episode of the Preschool Pioneers Podcast. I am your host, Reverend Jeremy Walker. And today on Preschool Pioneers, we are going to be discussing the concept of why it's important that we are created in the image of God. This comes from Genesis 1, 27. Quote, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Welcome to the Preschool Pioneers podcast. You can find our website at gcsprenticeship.com for more information. You can also find us at cr101radio.com for this episode and many more. But to go ahead and get us started, we want to discuss on this show this podcast, why it is Christians should become teachers. And one of the first things we're going to start with today is about the importance of being created in the image of God, as we were just quoted here from Genesis 1, 27. Now, Christian teachers and Christian parents, they set the stage and they teach their children about the world, who they are, what they're supposed to do, how the world functions, everything in between. And it's about setting the stage. You as the teacher, you as the parent, you set the stage for what's important, where people came from, where they're headed, what their purpose is in life. And Christians should become teachers because they have the proper foundation to teach children uh, and families. Without the proper foundation, you can't really understand anything at all. And there's lots of people who like to talk about lots of different things, and people like to get into politics and like to talk about education. There's lots of different subjects about what should be taught at schools or not taught at schools, sex education, and lots of things in between. The reason why people can't understand each other is because they're starting with a different foundation. And that's the whole purpose, and that's the whole reason for the misunderstanding. If we do not start with the same foundational Beliefs. If we don't start with the same foundational uh, truths about where we came from, what our purpose is in life, and where we're headed, what we're supposed to be doing here, then we really are talking past each other. And if you're paying attention at any point in time, just look at the news, social media, anything in between, and you're going to find that. You're going to find this disconnect where people stand on two sides of things, are arguing and fighting. Most of the time now, you have people who are trying to talk and other people just shout over each other and won't even talk amongst themselves anymore because there's nothing to talk about. And that's really the, the point, really, behind everything is that there is nothing to talk about. There's nothing to talk about because they're on differing sides. If you start from the belief that in the beginning God created mankind, male and female, then there's so many foundational beliefs there that are not shared by so many other people. The vast majority of people, including inside and outside the church, their foundational beliefs are evolutionary, or at least the theory, the concept of evolution, where everything came from nothing. And therefore, there is no purpose, there's no guidance, there's no direction. Uh, you are born into this world. It is the way it is. There's no real explanation for how it got here. There's some ideas about you know, we, we teach theories of the Big Bang, and we teach theories of evolution. 
to the schools as to the children as facts, but there is therefore no purpose, no direction, and no guidance. So man finds himself in an, in a world alive and conscious, and he has to make his way. He has to decide for himself what the world is. He has to give purpose to his life or her life. They have to give guidance to society, give guidance to the world. And that's what politics is all about. They're, they're the, the idea behind politics and political activism is that these people have an idea of, of what the world should be based on their ideas. Because they, don't, they all have the same idea that it came from nothing, no purpose, no direction. So they have to create their own ideas and create their own purpose and create their own direction. So that's where these people are coming from. But Christians have a proper view of the world. They don't start with this idea of no purpose, no beginnings, utter chaos, no direction, no anything. And that's why the Christians need to become teachers because we do have the truth about where we came from. We were created. We didn't make ourselves. We weren't an accident. And there is a system that's been created by God. And here we have God creating mankind, male and female. And all the things in between in the book of Genesis, we see how God created all the different types of animals, uh, the fruit plants, uh, the stars in the sky, how the stars are going to be for days and months and years. Nothing is by accident in the Christian's perspective from the Bible, uh, the truth that Christians give to other people. And that's what students and children need. Without that, we wonder why there's so many school shootings. We wonder why life itself. I just recently read articles about how suicide rates between children between the ages of, I think, 9 to 15 have skyrocketed. Uh, we have people coming in with guns and, and killing people. Uh, when I was in school, even though we had vehicles and we lived in rural areas, there were guns in the back of cars, fully loaded, you know, hunters and whatnot. But not a single person ever went out to their vehicle and got a gun and killed anybody. There were, you know, there were fights in schools and people fought and had problems with each other. But not a single person ever thought about going out to their vehicle, go getting a loaded gun and coming back into the school and killing people. Didn't happen. Now, there were some instances here and there. But now it's, it's rampant. You have people who are lack of a better term, have no self-control whatsoever. We do live in a different world than when I did when I was growing up. The question is, is why? What is changed in our world? It's not people. People are the same, always have been. The difference is, is the influences that they are more strictly in. And whenever Christianity loses its influence and we teach these kids that there is no meaning to life, there's no purpose behind it, whatever you do doesn't matter, there is no judgment day, then it's free game. Just do what you want. There is no such thing as authority because authority means that there was a creator who said, these are the rules. These are the people who get to tell you what to do. When there isn't that, there is no concept of authority. Authority is only that which a lot of people say is found in the barrel of a gun. That's power. And it's not authority that people have, but it's power that they have. And see, without Christianity, there is no concept of, of authority because there is no creator. There's no purpose. And therefore, you're only in charge if you can maintain that power over someone else. 
See, that's why Christians need to become teachers. We can explain properly and put humanity back on track where it's supposed to be. That there is a God. There is a such thing as authority. We have a place in the world. We do have codes of conduct, if you will. And we can properly explain that and give it to somebody else. There is no chaos involved. The insanity that we live in right now, where people can't even understand the basic concept, and I'm, I'm glad to see this, because we've been having the concept where even the concept of male and female is under attack. Now the science community is finally stepping up and saying, it's not just the religious community, but even the science community stand up and saying, hold on a minute, this, this is whacked. This stuff is crazy. We know that there is male. We know that there is female. When science looks at the world, it does not see chaos. It sees structure, which is what science is built off of, which is why Christianity at no point in time is ever at war with science. Now, there are people who are out there who misinterpret information and they have their own agendas and make it seem like that's the case, but it's not. And the concept that God made men and women, male and female, in the animal kingdom and all the rest, is just a plain fact. And the fact that there's so much confusion in the world is because we are going to create our own reality. Now, if you don't understand that, that's what the problem is. If there is nobody who said, I made you, I created you this way, then you get to decide, I'm here, but I am, I'm going to decide whatever I want to be. I'm not male or female. Today I'm male. Tomorrow I'm female. Today I'm neither. I'm going to have different characteristics. It's, 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 the word is confusion in the Bible. Absolute confusion. And that's what it is, just complete confusion. I had children who were talking to me about this concept, and I had a little boy who asked me in one of our after-school programs, he goes, is it true that you can go to the hospital and girls can become boys and boys can become girls? He was genuinely confused by the subject. I think for some reason he thought that one day he might go to the hospital and end up a girl or something. I'm not sure what he thought. But he was genuinely disturbed. And I had to look at him and say, no, that's not true. Because it's not true. You might be able to do things like body manipulation and hormone therapy and all the rest of the stuff. But what it comes down to is you cannot take someone who is born male, according to as God says is male, and turn them into female. There is no magic ability. There's no magical powers that can do this. There's no science that can do this. There's no amount of surgery that can make it be done. And the science community is finally standing up and saying, this has to stop. We have to stop saying this. And they're even saying, some of them are, that if you want to believe that, fine. But don't expect the rest of us to believe that or to teach it or to say that it's true. Uh, in other words, kind of like letting somebody believe that there's Santa Claus. Fine. You want to believe there's Santa Claus? I don't personally care if you think there's a Santa Claus. But don't expect me to play along. Don't expect society to play along with it as well and say that it is true. Just because you want to play along with the idea that Santa Claus is real. But Christians need to become teachers because of this foundational concept, because we can give that to children, and that's what they need. If children are going to succeed, they don't need to be confused. They don't need to be taught that they're pointless. They don't need to be taught that there's no direction, that there's no rules. They just can do whatever they want. Instead of it breeding stability in children, instead of it breeding self-confidence in them, it leaves them uh, worried, leaves them confused, scared, to live in a world where there is absolutely nothing but 
striving for chaos. And the only thing that is for sure in this type of world is that the strong survive. This is even old tenet of evolution, that the strong survive. In other words, if you want to succeed in this world, then you're going to have to decimate and dominate and potentially destroy other people. But it's not through self-sacrifice. It's not through helping other people. You get ahead by destroying those people around you who oppose you. And that's what you see, really, in our world. You see it uh, on the streets whenever you have road rage. You see it in our world where you see politics involved in the school system where people are killing people. So Christians need to become teachers because they're going to be able to set the stage. They're going to lay the foundation where everything can be properly understood. It can give a world to children who can properly thrive and not be confused not have chaos, not be committing suicide at a higher rate than they ever have before. Because what is the purpose to life? There is no life. Teaching children that they can have illicit uh, sexual encounters numerously, and if you notice, they've even stopped teaching about sexually transmitted diseases now that uh, all the other new sexual things are becoming mainstream. They're teaching them perverted forms of sexuality and calling them normal. And they've completely even stopped discussing the concept of the sexually transmitted diseases that you cannot do these things and have anything good happen to you. It's just not possible. And of course, Christians don't have a problem with this because science backs up what we're saying. Monogamy within marriage doesn't have any problems where sexuality is concerned. Having illicit relationships is going to destroy you. And we also say not only is it science-based, in other words, it's facts that this is going to happen, it's God-designed, which that upsets a lot of people. But it's not that, con not that complicated. It's God's world, and he said, if you do this, there are consequences. And it's more than just upsetting God, but there are physical consequences to breaking the, the laws, just like getting burnt. You cannot commit sexual fornication with lots and lots of people and have nothing happen to you, or any other type of perverted sexuality that they're teaching is normal. It's not normal, and it does destroy people. And, of course, they buy into these things, even the concept of abortion. They're teaching people that there's no consequences to it. It's not really a person. It's just a clump of cells. Just get rid of it. Not a big deal. No harm, no foul. And they're finding that's also not the case. They can't do these things without guilt because they know better. And so whenever they're trying to suppress Christianity, suppress the truth, strip away the foundations and laying foundations that are not true— we wonder why people are having so many problems. It's simple because deep down we know that the Bible is true, that what God says about the world is true. We try to fight against that. We destroy ourselves in so many ways, especially with the mental problems that people are having in particular. But anyways, Christians need to become teachers because God did create us, and he did create us in his image. As his bearers, he gave us purpose, he gave us dominion, which means mankind is in charge of the world. As God's um, husbandman to take care of the world itself, we're responsible. He's given us the rules of which to live by, how we can prosper, and all we have to do is follow those. And Christians are the only ones who have that. We're not sending our children out to a world blind and saying, good luck, the strongest survive. We're saying, God created you as a purpose, you're important, the people around you are important, and here's how we're supposed to uh, act uh, so you can be prosper and everybody around you can prosper. When you get rid of that, 
you destroy the person, you destroy the individual, and you destroy society. And that's exactly what we see happening every single day in America, just going further and further and further into chaos and confusion and destruction. And if we want to climb out of it, we just have to go back to the basics. And the basics are this. We are not evolved creatures from a happy accident, but a purposeful creation with purpose and important skill sets to be used for specific purposes to take care of everything God made. Well, that's enough for now with why Christians should become teachers. I'd like to move on to the next part of the Preschool Pioneers podcast where we discuss part of what we call the Preschool Pioneers Field Guide. If you're unfamiliar with Field Guide, the Field Guide is practical experience that we have running Christian schools for the last 30 years, myself for 20 years. And I want to talk about this part here. If you're a Christian school teacher or uh, owner-operator of a school, impressions are everything, and good impressions are what you want. If you are trying to sell a person, let's say a visitor, somebody who's thinking about your school, well, then your first impressions are typically everything. I mean, what does the school look like? Um, what does the school smell like? Are you a happy person? Are you an inviting person? Are you a person who is giving information? Are you receptive to questions? Are you uh, helpful in your answers? Uh, do you have a pleasant personality? All those different things are really, really important. Um, also, like I said, when somebody walks into a building and meets you for the first time, you want to give a good impression. And if you're walking in and you're drab and you're boring and you're unexciting or you are come off as aloof or uncaring, the person is not going to like you and, and they're just not going to choose your school and they're going to go someplace else. Because good impressions are what you want. But see, good impressions aren't just the same like a used car salesman. Used car salesman is only really concerned about selling a vehicle. All he has to do is make you happy enough with him, happy enough with his answers, happy enough with the car that he's trying to sell you to get you to sign the paperwork, and then it's kind of over. Now, working in a school with children and families, you have to keep the good impressions going every single day. It's just not your initial sale that you have to worry about, that first impression. Literally, every time a person walks through your door, every time they pick up their child, Every single impression is important, and you do it on a daily basis. Not only do you do that, but the, the teachers, when they're working with the children, the impressions that they're giving to those children will also go home whenever the child's talking about their day or how the teachers are treating them, or what happened in class. All these impressions have to be good. That means you have to do your job really well. You have to make sure that the school's rules are being followed. If the teachers do that, that means they're going to create an environment where the children are happy, they feel safe. They have fun. Uh, they learn. The parents, whenever they come in, they're going to feel welcomed. They're going to feel as if they're being receptive. People are talking to them. They're going to feel informed. Uh, good public relations can also be not only just talking to people and smiling, which does go a long way, by the way, but also helping collect items. If somebody lost an item, you actually you know, ask questions about it. It could be blankets, pacifiers, a family heirloom blanket of some sorts. It could be their toy tiger that they lost. Anything in between. But you're going to be receptive to it. If it's important to them, it's important to you. And so these type of impressions that you give, um, you'll also hear people say the concept of, it's not what you said, but how you said it. And that also is, comes down to impressions as well. 
So whenever you're talking to people on a daily basis, give those impressions and make sure that they're good. It doesn't matter what it is. And it doesn't mean that you're happy-go-lucky all the time. If somebody steps out of line, you also have to give the impression that you are not easily run over. If somebody tells you that your staff member did something wrong, then you have to give the impression that you are um, apologetic about it, and then you're going to fix it. And most of the time when I'm talking to people, they're not really upset per se that something went wrong because nobody's perfect. But what they want is the impression that it's going to get fixed and assurances that steps will be taken to make sure the same mistake doesn't happen again. That's what I mean by impressions. It's not simply about salesmanship, but it's how you talk to people. It's if they, they feel like you care. So all those things are very important if you're going to run a, a school properly, if you're going to manage properly. But if you don't handle and regulate your impressions, if you don't try to make sure you have good impressions with people on a daily basis, then you're really going to mess up. It's also something you have to teach staff. Because teachers get a bad rap sometimes because the teacher's not there throughout the day, especially young kids. They can't, you know, tell how their day went all day long. Uh, older kids can, you know, give more feedback to the parents, but young kids can't, like in preschool. So when the parents are there, you know, drop off and pick up, you're only in there for maybe a minute, maybe two minutes. Uh, some of them might stop and talk, but most don't. They're coming and going, going to work, going home. And so they're only going to really talk to the teacher for maybe a minute if they talk to them at all. So I always tell teachers to make sure that that one minute, that two minutes that they're there is a good impression. Hi, how was your day? Um, here's, you know, Billy's stuff. Here's his papers. Here's his backpack. Here's how his day went. Another thing you can do, we do with this with infants, is that you have log sheets which, you know, go through diaper changes, what they ate, how they slept, if they're fussy, if there are any problems throughout the day. We also have things called My Day uh, flyers that go home. My day flyers are talking about the day. We do this for one-year-olds and two-year-olds at our schools. It tells about, you know, did they eat, how much they ate for breakfast, lunch, or snack? Did they sleep? Um, was there something specifically that day that they liked, if it was outside playing or whatever it might have been? Uh, is it, uh, you know, how, were they cranky? Were they happy? Were they sad? Whatever it was, and so sending those home on a daily basis can also help parents get an idea of how the child's day went, even the the child's not necessarily going to vocalize that. You also have things like diaper checklists so parents can come. If they have questions, they can also see those charts. Potty training people, that's a really important thing for child care is potty training. If you're going to go and do potty training for kids, giving daily feedback, it's a really important step for parents, and it's a kind of a milestone, life goal. And so if you're part of that, you're receptive to it, you're helping out with it, you're giving the feedback, you're telling them how it goes, that's going to leave a really good impression with a client, with a parent, and it's going to help them trust you more. So those are some tips about good impressions and why they're important. But the Preschool Pioneers Field Guide is very important. That's why we like to go over it. We are developing that as we go forward when time allows to write stuff down, that is. But practical knowledge is what's needed. See, it's not just about ideas. People get stuck in the ideas but fail to develop real skills. And in the case of schools, you actually have to be able to perform. You actually have to be able to produce something. You have to make people happy. And that doesn't happen by accident. It takes work to do that. So moving on. Last part of Preschool Pioneers is our third part. We like to talk about our programs that we have, curriculums that we have, 
um, preschool in a box, operations manual, apprenticeship programs. Well, today I'm going to talk about our apprenticeship program. Basically, apprenticeship program here we have in our uh, facility here, Grace Community Schools apprenticeship program, lasts for three years. It takes people who are typically younger and trains them. Instead of going to college, we bring people here to our facilities and we train them how to actually own and operate their own school. There's a couple of different things that separate us from the traditional type college or educational fields and things like that. One is real world skills. As I was mentioned before, you can't do something unless you know how to do it. Um, so we take people who don't know how to run a school, don't know how to be teachers, and we teach them how to successfully run a school and, of course, a business, making it profitable, giving them the skills that they need. These are marketable skills, something you can actually utilize to earn a paycheck and put dinner on the table. Now, people do like the concept of college, mostly because it carries with it a certain clout, intellectual respectability. People like to say, well, my kid went to college, they went to Harvard, they went to Princeton, they went to Yale. I would prefer to have my kids me say, well, my son runs a business and he owns his own home and he owns his own car and he has savings and he can take care of his kids. For me, the things that I'm proud of are going to be practical skills that allow my child to survive in the real world. So not only about intellectual respectability because they went to some school and they read textbooks and they got a diploma they could put on the wall. The vast majority of people that go to college, number one, are always going to be in debt. There's a giant debt. Now, let's say, for some example, you did get yourself a scholarship. Wonderful. Maybe you avoided the debt problem, but you're still not going to avoid the fact that you're going to spend multiple years doing something that's not making money. So you're not getting real-world business skills. Now, on top of that, not only are you not getting business skills, you're delaying your life in general. You're not starting a family. You're not getting husband and wife as a norm. And so you're delaying starting uh, your life as it is. It's kind of just putting everything on pause. On the top of that, the people that do go to college are picking things that have nothing to do with the world of reality. They're picking things they're never going to use in the real world. And the diploma is going to go on the wall. They might have the respectability that, that other people think of as respectable, but it isn't of any real use. It's time, it's energy, it's money, and for it's got no purpose behind it. Very, very, very few people ever go to college and use the degrees in which they got and went to college for. It just doesn't happen. This just isn't my opinion. It's just a fact. Anybody you listen to nowadays is starting to wake up to the fact that colleges are debt factories. Uh, they are also giving you information but no skills uh, if they give you that. There's so many courses in college that have nothing to do with the real world. Even if you did have a major, it's still all these courses you have to take just because they're uh, part of the whole college experience. Not to mention the fact that if you send your children off to college – they are going to be involved in an area that is anti-Christian to the core, meaning morally anti-Christian, uh, actively promoted promiscuity everywhere. And this is just a fact. It's just going to happen. Uh, the last thing, of course, especially now, this has been a newer development over the last, I'd say, five years maybe, uh, probably longer, but really prominent over the last five years, is that colleges have become hunting grounds uh, purposefully, purposefully for training uh, children in anti-Christian beliefs uh, and now even anti-American beliefs, anti-capitalistic beliefs. They're actually turning out students to believe that socialism and communism uh, is what America needs to go towards. They're turning out students who believe that political activism is the way to change the world and that 
they can pretty much say and do whatever they want to, and they don't have to worry about their fellow man. Um, so colleges are actually right now well beyond just being debt factories, well beyond just not giving practical skills and, and just in general becoming centers of promiscuity. But now they're actively promoting uh, things that are completely anti-Christian uh, on not only the personal level but also on the life structure, political level as well. Not to even come close to mentioning the, dis the things that they're teaching about abortion and, and ch killing children being normal and all the things in between. But it's really messed up on college campuses now. And so our apprenticeship program bypasses all that stuff. Uh, we have three-year programs who teach all the skills that are needed. Uh, first year is classroom skills. Second year is going to be uh, overall managerial type skills, uh, assisting classrooms and things like that. And the third year is more of the stuff in the office, so bookkeeping, office work, sales, uh, taking phone calls, parent complaints, all the stuff in between. So by the time three years are done, full-orbed, education, how to run a business, and do it successfully. Now, this is something that is practical, real-world skills and how to actually do something. On top of that, there are some academic stuff that we do to meet certain requirements. Uh, we do CDAs and things like that as well, uh, which are gets you um, educational credentials that are very important. So our apprenticeship program that we have is something unlike anything you've ever seen before. On top of that, there's free housing, uh, full salaries for them, bonus programs, it's just really a wonderful program. And so if it's something that you've thought about, if you've thought about it or you know somebody who might be interested in becoming a teacher, a successful Christian teacher, or how to own and operate their own school, we're the people to talk to. Hands down, we know what we're doing. And uh, we'd be glad to talk to you, see if this is something that you can uh, do or be interested in doing. I will not tell you right now that anybody can do it because it's not true. It's kind of like saying that anybody can be a professional football player. They can't. It does take a certain skill set, um, but, of course, if a person has uh, aptitude, if they have a desire, and they get the right type of training, then, yes, they can be successful. But it's not for everybody, and it's not for the faint of heart all the time. And especially in Christian education, there's a lot of opposition uh, that people are not ready for either. But if it's something you're interested in, you can check out our website at gcsapprenticeship.com. This episode and more can be found on our website at cr101radio.com. I do want to thank everybody for joining us today uh, on our episode discussing about the importance of why we teach the image of God, and why Christians should become teachers, how it lays the foundation for everything else that we teach and believe, and how Christians are the only ones who can give that foundation back to individuals and society so children can actually thrive, and not just as young children, but all the way through adult adulthood. And uh, so if you want some more information, you can contact us at JesusApprenticeship.com for more information. Until then, thank you for joining me, and God bless.